Welcome to the Men of Iron Podcast, equipping men for growth in your faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. Check out menofiron.org to learn more about how you can get involved in or support the vision of changing a culture one man at a time. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Chad Zook. The Men of Iron Podcast is made possible because of sponsors like Backgate Prayers. Did you know there are a multitude of biblical truths that you can claim over your children's lives in prayer? Backgate Prayers research God's promises in Scripture to curate and write a set of prayers to claim over your children's lives as they grow. They'll even personalize those prayers with names and a photo. Each set of prayer cards sits in a handmade wooden block and is personalized with names and a favorite picture of the ones you are praying for. Guys, listen up. If you're looking for a meaningful gift for the people you love most, definitely, definitely check them out at backgateprayers.com. This is such an incredible tool to have to focus uh, on praying for your marriage or your kids. And you can use the code men of iron for a 10% discount at checkout. Thanks again to backgateprayers.com. Welcome to the Men of Iron Podcast, equipping men for growth in the five F's, faith, family, finances, friendships, and fitness, like we talked about last week in episode 63. What Men of Iron is about, and really our cause, our organization, us as individuals, we're about changing the culture one man at a time. So this is episode 64, and before we jump into this episode, I just want to say just welcome to anyone who's made the transition from the New Kind of Man podcast. I know that uh, that's been a, a step and a transition that we've intentionally made. And I just want to welcome you to this community and thank you for believing in uh, the work that I've been doing and also in the work that we're doing at Men of Iron. We know that these conversations that we will have, whether it's a, con- a conversation like we're having today or a solo cast, we know that these will be beneficial as you apply these truths. Last week, we talked about, in episode 63, setting fitness goals with VIM, and VIM stands for Vision, Intention, Means, and that has been brought about by Dallas Willard, and he really talked about it in the realm of spiritual formation, but we're applying that kind of loosely to uh, several different things. We also talked about goal setting in the last episode, so if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. We talked about how goal setting should be clear, concrete, and challenging. And I found this really nifty quote from Albert Einstein, a really smart guy that I would just kind of tee this up with. He said this, one should not pursue goals that are easily achieved. In other words, not the low-hanging fruit. There should be a little bit of effort into our goals. One must develop an instinct for what one can just barely achieve through one's greatest effort. I thought that was a great way for us to get started. And in this podcast, uh, I am the host, but I am interviewing Garrett, El Presidente of Men of Iron. I just want to say welcome to the podcast today, Garrett. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be back. Yeah, my pleasure. Grateful for the opportunity for us to have this opportunity and for us to shape up a conversation about, honestly, what could be intimidating for a lot of guys. We talked about last week, physical fitness and, and growing in the physical pillar. Of course, what we talked about last week was just the beginning of a series. That was week one. This is week two of our series based off of Luke 2.52. And that scripture said that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and in favor with man. 
Last week, we talked about the physical strength aspect of it. This week, we talk about intellectual growth. And what we're going to do is we're going to demystify this, and we're going to, I believe, help you, the listener, to be able to understand, to be encouraged, and yet challenged to grow intellectually without making it weird, because it can get weird in a hurry. So, Garrett, let me just ask you this question. We're not teed up for this question. I'm just going to throw it out there, all off the cuff, all right? All right. Why is it that we need to grow intellectually, and how is it that as growing intellectually, how does that feed into the five Fs of Men of Iron? Mm, That's a good good question. Well, I want to go back. I think you know, one of the things that you, you often hear in the marketplace is this idea that like, okay, if, if your business isn't growing, it's dying, right? And, you know, I, I look at it as the same, through the same lens when it comes to us as men and our lives is, you know, if you're not, if you're not growing, right, or you're not learning in this case, intellectually, you're, you're, you're dying. And um, I think it's an area like of all the areas that we're probably going to cover the next couple of weeks, this is where the one where I'm probably the most convicted, Um, because there's a lot of room for improvement in this particular area of my life. And so, um, that, that is number one. Why is this so important? I think you you always need to be a lifelong learner. You need to be a reader. You need to be a lifelong learner. We need to always be kind of sharpening our minds and our brains. Uh, intellectual growth rolls into a lot, right? So let's look at faith, for example. Well, it's really hard to grow in your faith if you're not learning more of, of the word or you're not learning more about God's character, right? There's an intellectual approach to that. Um, let's just go back to last week talking about the fitness. Like there's an intellectual component of fitness, right? Like you've got to, you've got to learn new things. You've got to learn new techniques. You, you go back even two episodes of when we were talking through the dieting for men, right? Like learning the right things to put in your body and learning the things not to put in your body. Um, finances, it's an intellectual process, right? To learn new rhythms and new, uh, strategies for, for, you know, investing or spending or saving, whatever you want to look at it. But you look at all these five F's, there's an intellectual component to them all. Yeah, I agree with that as well, which is why I thought it was so important for us to have this conversation, because I believe just as you kind of alluded to, it's a feeder for all five. There's, there's an aspect of this that is going to help us as men to grow in the five F's. I just want to tee it up with, with this quote from yours truly. Um, we don't have a shortage of information. We have a shortage of men who will wisely apply that information. This is the key for us to grow intellectually. I believe that it's not a shortage of information. You even kind of mentioned this in last week's podcast. It's not a shortage of information. It's a shortage of applying what we hear and what we learn and what we read. So it says in that scripture that Jesus grew in wisdom. I want you to know that the pursuit for every one of us is not to just grow in one intellectual pillar. It's for us to grow in the four different pillars. But last week we mentioned this, and I'm not going to rehash old material. We're trying to have integrity. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be whole in these areas. We're never going to be perfect. I mean, that is a myth. That's not going to happen. We're, we're actually chasing just better versions of ourselves. And we need to, I believe, lean into the intellectual pillar, and we need to apply the information that we get. So... Let me just ask you this. We're going to back up a second. We got in the weeds really fast, Garrett. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull back. I'm going to softball this thing. Hopefully you can hit slow pitch softball. But here I think is. I can pull it off, man. I think I, I, I'm, not con- I'm not cocky, but I am confident. All right, all right. Well, we may have to talk about what the difference is later. I don't know. But how, how about I just <laughs> give you this question? I'll bail you out and me at the same time. 
So if you're going to be stranded on a desert island and you could only bring a couple of books, what would they be? And here's the caveat. You're already bringing the Bible. So don't even like, don't give me that, that answer. Right? Yeah. Don't give you that like Christianese answer. Right. Exactly. I'm looking for something solid here, man. This is a good one. Um, I think there's an element. Is it just one book or can I say two? Oh, a couple. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for, for number one, um, I would need to bring the circle maker with me uh, by Mark Batterson. Um, Cause if I'm straight on an Island, I'm going to really need to be inspired to pray that somebody's going to, to find me. But that's a book that, that really changed my life. Um, probably back in my early twenties, I read that and just realized how basically small and I don't know, maybe my small of approach to prayer that I had in my life. And so I just, I started really boldly praying. And when I read that book, um, <laughs> It, uh, I, sh- I should be careful what you pray for, right? Because that's when Men of Iron kind of came to fruition. So um, that was number one. Uh, I would need that for my prayer life. Um, I think to get perspective on my situation being straight on an island, I would probably bring Crazy Love um, by Francis Tran- Chan. That's another book that kind of, uh, these are books I haven't read in years, but these are ones that were kind of instrumental in, in my faith journey kind of coming out of college. Um, that would be another one. I would say for entertainment, I'm not a weird Narnia guy, but um, I was really challenged by my executive coach a couple of years ago just to start reading for fun. And he's like, you're always in these books and your mind's always racing and running and you just need something that you can just sit and <laughs> have a drink and relax and, you know, read a book and and not have to let your mind spin. So he forced me, made me read the Narnia series. And it was really enjoyable. Uh, it's the first time I've ever really read um, fiction, I think in a long, long time. So I would say those three would, would be probably go-tos. Super cool. Yeah. I have maybe an odd list. I was thinking about this myself and I, I typically don't answer my own questions, but I'm going to make an exception. Now I, I really thought about this and I thought three different books are what really popped up. Of course, I'm going to have the Bible there. The first one is where the red fern grows. Now I'm, I can mm-hmm. like totally geek out on all what I'm about ready to say. So I'll make it really short. That is actually the first book I ever read. It was like in fifth grade, very first book I ever read. And I believe it's the only book I ever read until after I got out of college. I'm pretty sure. I'm like, uh, I, I don't really think that I, I read any books. No, I take that back. I actually, I read, uh, I read a book or two whenever I was in the Navy um, about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana but that's neither here nor there. So <laughs> true story. So where the red fern grows, because it brings me back to my childhood. The next one is Walden by Thoreau. Uh, great book. And it's just kind of, I love his storytelling, but that it would just kind of take me to a place other than me being stranded on an island, <laughs> you mm. know, just, just kind of take me into a, a never, never land. And then the last one would be the city of God by Augustine. And, and because of that would kind of paint to my future, no matter what would, what would happen on the island, it's like the city of God and what God is up to in the world and what he will be up to in the world to remind me of that perspective. I was pretty deep and all over the place where, where the Redfern grows, Walden, and then the city of God. So, um, all right, so you've already mentioned two of these books, and maybe, these are, maybe this is the answer to the next question. So what other books or what books have made the biggest impact on your life? You know, I look at some of those books that I've already kind of mentioned to you in regards to the ones that I would probably bring along. I think another one that maybe I didn't mention that probably had the most significant impact would have been um, In a Pit with a Line on a Snowy Day. 
um, by Batterson. And so I look at that book and um, I would say the, the biggest book was in a pit with a line on a snowy day. And that was the book that um, God spoke to me through that book. God spoke to me and said, buckle up, something's about to change in your life. And so, um, and then shortly thereafter, about three months after um, I just started boldly praying some prayers and really kind of saying, Lord, I'll chase whatever line you have for me. Um, but three months later was when the opportunity for men of iron came. So it would have been after I read crazy love. It would have been after I read even the circle maker, uh, or no, I guess in a pit came out before circle maker, but the, the, in a pit was the first one that really was like, God really shook me up and said, Hey, um, some changes coming in your life. Wow. Super good. I would recommend both those books. They're both fantastic. I love in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. And just kind of chasing out that uh, storyline of Benaya, I think, is is who that the really the book originated from there. And what uh, Mark Batterson is the author of both of those books, actually, Circle Maker and In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And the Circle Maker is great. Both of those are very easy reads. So, gentlemen, as we're talking about reading and growing intellectually, if you're not much of a reader, these books would be helpful because they will help incite faith uh, and belief in prayer, and also it's it, they're easier to read. So. Uh, he is just a really good author in that way. So what are your current reading habits? I know you said you, you're convicted that this is the one you're going to be the most convicted about. So what are your, just real and raw, what are your current reading habits? Um, none? No. Um, so <laughs> real it's, and raw. yeah, you know, I, I have a tendency to kind of be in several books at once, which is, a, I don't like that about myself. I wish I could just pick one up start it, finish it, be done with it, move on to the next one. But I just, I get so many book recommendations and I start looking into others, you know, directions. Uh, I don't know if it's the ADD or what, but um, right now um, I usually try to get up in the morning and I have that time in the word um, and then I'll journal and pray for a little bit. And then if I've got the time, I really do enjoy just kind of reading a chapter of, of whatever book I'm, I'm in that day, you know, that particular week. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not batting a thousand on that by any means. Um, you know, it doesn't happen every morning. Um, but that's kind of my habit at this point. Um, you know, I wish, I wish I could pick up a book in the evening and just kind of sit and veg out with a book. I don't do that enough. And I probably need to make that a, a, a bigger priority. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, you know, I think that the, that's a, the common practice really with, with a lot of guys is they read multiple books at a time and, uh, and I do the same. It, it can have its own challenges. And it's also good because you can kind of stay fresh and like, ah, oh, this one kind of, I went to a slump on this one. I'll pick this other book up. And especially if it's a book that you don't have to do a lot of thinking about, like if it's just a, a fun read and Narnia, like you're talking about or reading some of that from the series, it's kind of like you can just pick that up and just let your mind wander and fantasy land and all that. And, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way at all, but I'm just saying, just kind of like roll and, and just allow your mind to escape kind of reality. And yet, but yet when it comes to self-help books, those to me, they take a little bit more time, a little bit more work uh, because I'm, I'm, yeah, I have some other practices too that maybe I'll get to uh, in a little bit about my own reading habits, unless you're curious about that. So um, let me just ask you this, what kind of marking do you do? Um, and I will talk, I, I guess I will talk at length about the marking, marking system that I use, but do you mark in your books when I read, when you read them or, or what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I've always got a highlighter. Uh, I've always got a, a pen. I'm, I'm 
writing things out in the margins. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there, I, yes, I mark my books up. I mean, that's just all I do. I, I typically, what I've done or what I've found to be helpful is um, I used to just highlight the heck out of things, but now what I do is I more or less will still highlight on occasion, but I actually bring my pen with me when I'm reading and anything that, you know, God might speak to me during that time or something that sticks out from the author. Uh, I'm writing that in the margin and usually in the back cover uh, of the book uh, or the last several pages, you know, there's always those blank pages in the last, the last couple of pages. Um, I'll actually kind of write out, you know, uh, kind of a brief summary, you know, like, oh, when it comes to XYZ page 34, right. And I'll go back to page 34 and I can see my notes there. So I kind of keep a table of contents, even in the book from, from my own notes. Um, and, and that just allows me to kind of pick up a book and I always remember, oh, I got that from that book, but now I don't have to go digging through the whole book to look for it. I can just kind of go to that, the back of the book where I've been keeping that table of contents and kind of refer to the page that I've said. So. Oh, great tip. Great tip. I'll have to think about that myself. I have a, a practice that I don't read a book unless I have a pen in my hand. I don't use a highlighter anymore because then I would get to the point I would just highlight everything and then I wouldn't be able to, for me, be able to figure out, okay, why did I highlight that? Why did I not? You know. So now I, I literally don't read anything without a pen in my hand. And so kind of my marking system is uh, if if there's something that's interesting, I just put a star in, you know, just just on the side, uh, in the margin, on the right hand side, typically, and then also I have little post its, little labels, and I will label the mess out of books uh, as far as what that is, and I'll actually right next to the star, I'll put uh, because I, I whether create content for men of iron or or within the church or something is just for me or or something for. Uh, maybe a writing project that I'll have later. What I was trying to do is I actually uh, write in there specifically, I write in these, these little letters. If it's a star and I'll put FM, that means just for me, like there's something here personal, like, Hey, you need to, you need to pay attention to this. Another one I'll have FT for them. So whatever, whoever the them is, it's like, whether it's a, another, uh, you know, whether it's men of iron or, or, or preaching or something like a, a star, F, uh, you know, FT for them, or now within my own writing and the, the book that is trudging along ever so slowly at the pace of molasses, that one, I, I have star TB. So the book, um, and then on the tab, I'll literally write on the colored tab, I'll write what like section of the book that goes into, because that's kind of the, the most of my reading outside of professional reading is for, is for my own writing. Mm. So those are some of the practices that I have that way I can go back and then know, Hey, I look at this book and here, you know, a lot of tabs and kind of go through and then follow up and then make a list if I need to, of whatever it is that is, uh, that's in the margins to be able to go back. If not, I'm just going to take that book and put it on the shelf and be like, here, thanks. You know, I just, you know, I should have stock in three M for these tabs and put it on the shelf and it's done. <laughs> um, but I want to make sure that it's useful for me going forward. So now, currently, I know that you read the Narnia series because your coach, you know, kind of twisted your arm to do so. But in your reading now, do you find yourself doing more personal reading, even in the self-help realm or just just for the business or professional? 
Yeah, I would say it's it's probably a, a little bit of both. I think even throw in more like faith development stuff. I've been probably digging into more of, you know, kind of studying some things uh, that are outside of, you know, my daily study in the word. Um, so doing some of that, but it's a, it's a pretty healthy mix. I mean, I, I really do enjoy it. It's, it's tough in this season of life for me personally, because I can sit and I could sit in a park, uh, sit outside on a beautiful day and I could read for a really long time. I, I'm just that kind of guy. So if I could go to the mountains and just sit for a couple of days and read, like I can read at the beach, I can, you know, I can do those things. It's tough in this season of life with little ones, because whenever we do go to the mountains or we do go to the beach, you know, uh, I'm chasing little ones around. But um, I think if given that opportunity, I really can just sit and read and I don't have to be somewhere and doing something. So I would say it's it's a good healthy mix right now of the things that I'm kind of reading through some of it being personal, some of it being more organizational, some of it being kind of, you know, faith developing, whatever it might be. It, it's a pretty healthy mix. Yeah. And with your stage of life, I mean, you, you have to be, I'm sure you have to be very intentional on time, obviously, because if it was up to you, just as you said, you can go out in the woods and, you know, put me around some trees in a stream and man, I'll read all day long. And if you have your kids there, you may go there with a book with good intentions, but yeah, that ain't going to last very long, especially your, your three young ones. Yeah, they got bigger plans for you than you sitting there reading. Exactly. Uh, chasing them is in there is on their agenda for sure. Yeah. It's, and I think that's the, the intentional piece, you know, and that's why I say like, this is an area where I, I really, like, I can't sit here and say, I'll come, I'm hitting it out of the park here. Um, there's definitely room for improvement. I could probably turn, uh, you know, YouTube TV off more often at night and, and just sit and read a book and probably fill my, my mind with better things than I am, you know, watching on the TV anyway. So I, I think it takes an intentional effort. I think natural, some guys it comes very naturally to, it's just something they do. I remember uh, coaching with a guy <laughs> years ago, back in like mid two thousands that uh, he was a, a teacher. He was a little bit of a different bird, but the dude, I went to his apartment uh, and didn't know him real well, but went to his apartment one night after practice, after we were done coaching, <laughs> walked in and there's like nothing there. There was like a couch, no TV, no stereo. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, I read. And I look over and there's this bookshelf, man, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. And I'm like, you literally, he was a single guy. He's like, oh, that's all I do. I just read, man. I don't need that TV. It's garbage, wasting my money, wasting my time. You know, I just like to read and learn. And so that was a really convicting moment. That was probably a life-changing moment for me because I realized like, yeah, not that my, my parents didn't push education and learning, but uh, it was just never, never really an emphasis of, of mine. And, you know, I've ever, I felt convicted ever since then. Yeah. Well, I can imagine, especially you see somebody taking that, you know, that drastic of an approach. Hey, I don't need a TV. I'm just going to sit and read. And that's not everybody's thing. I also don't want us to kind of like think that only way that I can grow is through reading. Uh, that's a big right. part of it, but there's also other aspects of it. You know, you mentioned YouTube, you know, I just want to ask you this question. When was the last, what was the last project you used a YouTube video to help complete? Oh man, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm not a DIY guy uh, per se, but yeah, I've, I've definitely watched some, uh, I'd probably either putting kids toys together or doing some sort of small project around the house. Uh, I think there was a, maybe a plumbing issue. I did look up one time on YouTube that, you know, helped me through it. So um, yeah, there's, there's, there's room for that stuff. That's, that's for sure. 
Yeah. And I think that's a great tool, you know, for some guys, they may not have the discipline yet of sitting down to read a book or maybe not have the opportunity, you know, where they have little kids. So they have to kind of carve out other ways to grow intellectually. And I think YouTube can be a way, of course, it's an awesome way to waste a lot of time too. Don't get me wrong. Like you can waste years on YouTube. It's just an endless supply of, bleh, you know, it just is, but you can also learn a ton on YouTube. Uh, so what is, and another way we can learn is not just through reading and not just YouTube, uh, of course, podcasts like this, hopefully the guys are going to grow intellectually from this and uh, through, through the time and application of this. But another way that, that guys grow intellectually is just through the exchange of ideas. Mm -hmm. So, and I think as guys, this is whether you're sitting around, you know, sitting around a fire, you're drinking a beer, you're having a cup of coffee, whatever it is for you, maybe just your, your toolbox at work, or, you know, you're in your office space, somebody comes into your cubicle during, during a break time, and you just sit and have a conversation. I think it's just the genuine exchange of ideas, which I believe is so needed in our culture right now. That's a great way for us to be, to grow intellectually. So what is some advice that you give regularly? Like mm -hmm. it, just the type of stuff that just seems to just roll out of your mouth without you even thinking about it. Yeah, I'll say this. Let me, before I answer that chat, I think something that comes to mind, because I, I really do believe down to like my gut, to the core of who I am, this is an area when you talk about growing intellectually by sharing ideas with each other, this is an area that is probably most overlooked when it comes to men. And, and what I mean by that is I, I think a lot of it has to do with our friendships like that, going back to the friends F, right. Mm -hmm. um, we, we get to this place in our lives where friends become less and less of a priority and it's not, we don't intentionally do it. It just kind of happens naturally, right? We get married. We talked about this a little bit last time, like you get married, you start having kids. Well, your priorities change. And so before you know it though, you end up being in your mid thirties, late thirties, early forties. And your, your friendships that once used to be a big, huge deal in your life are kind of non-existent. And, mm -hmm. and we see this play out all the time as guys are evaluating their five Fs and assessing them is that friends and fitness are often the two that are, that are down there in the bottom of the totem pole. So the reason I think there's so much power in what you just said about sharing ideas with those around you, um, this is why men need to make friendships such a priority. So you talk about, okay, hey, let's sit around a fire and, and have a beer or have a cup of coffee together. Like we don't intentionally do that. Okay. Now I do have guys in my life that will send out that text or send out that email that says, Hey guys, we're going to have a get together at my house tonight. Like no agenda other than just kind of showing up and, you know, bring a couple beers with you or bring, bring some coffee, whatever it might be. Like it, it, that doesn't happen on the regular for most men. We either a aren't the guy that initiates it or B we're not the guy that gets that invite. But some of those um, moments where you are sitting around the fire and there is no agenda and you're just talking about marriage, you might be talking about fatherhood, you might be talking about business, you might be talking about investments. Like I'm just together with a group of guys last week and they're telling me about their investments they're making right now in the stock market. I learned a great deal, you know, and guess what I did? I came back and made some investments on Monday because I was helping a group of guys out in the kitchen on a Saturday. And so these are opportunities. I think we, we often overlook the significance of them, but they're crucial. And, and in my situation or my, my experience with this, and it's not about my experience. I think it's most men's experiences. It's probably when you're in these, in, in these um, experiences where you are 
going away to the mountains for the weekend, or you are helping your neighbor with a do-it-yourself project, whatever it might be. So I'm a huge fan in, in my position right now uh, with Men of Iron. I'm a huge fan, and I wouldn't have said this a year ago, but I'm a huge fan of peer groups. And so uh, right now I find myself in a peer group with nonprofit leaders. They're all, uh, you know, executive directors or present CEOs of, of nonprofits. And there's a format in which we follow. So we come together once a month. Um, everybody brings issues. Uh, we identify those issues. We discuss those issues and we solve those issues. And you're getting feedback from your peers, right? Like people that aren't working for your organization, they're not in your particular role, um, within your organization, but they're in a similar role with another organization. So the, the perspective that you get sometimes is amazing. You know, I'm in another peer group. It's not all nonprofit. It's some of it's for-profit, nonprofit, some of it's ministry, some of it's not. Um, but the bottom line is I learn more in those four or five hours together with my peer group than sometimes I do in a whole month alone, you know? And so I think the whole point is that the intellectual growth, so much of this is tied back to the relationships in our lives. And you've got to have solid relationships, which I'm talking to two different types of men out there. There's the, those men right now that you're hearing this and you're saying, man, I need to make a point of emphasis to initiate something with my buddies because you're the initiator and you're the leader. And when you put it together, they, they come or there's those guys, maybe you're the guy that's saying, man, I, I haven't attended something like that. I've gotten invited and I haven't made it a priority and I need to make relationships a priority. Those are the two different types of guys out there. And I would just say, when it comes to intellectual growth, look around at your relationships. The stronger your relationships, the more you're intellectually going to grow. And the weaker your relationships, the less you're going to intellectually grow. It just kind of happens that way naturally. Yeah, that's, that's very well said. And I think that sometimes guys can make it too complicated to think it needs to be like this. Or if they're a church guy, it's like the the only friendships they have are within the context or the confines of a church specific event or some church specific system. And I think that, you know, what you just said is just liberating. Look around, look at the guys who are around you, you know, exchange those ideas. You know, if we're going to change the culture one man at a time, it's going to be literally one man at a time. It's going to be me having an idea that we sit down in just a casual setting and I kind of pitch the idea to you and I'm comfortable. You're not going to judge me. And we kind of work that idea out. And then one of the things that I found in my life is uh, what's happening in the world right now, it's, it's black and white polarized thinking everywhere. Mm. And, and it's the idea that two things can't be true at once. Like that's just what we see culturally. And when you exchange ideas, you not only exchange ideas and not only are you heard, but also somebody gets to hear what you have to say. And all of a sudden you find out that maybe two things or three things or five things or a thousand things can be true at the same time. Although in our small minds, we can't perceive all that could be true on our own without that perspective. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, I just, uh, I think actually, I know we're getting off on a, on a rabbit trail here a little bit, but so much of it ties into, you know, when it, when it comes to growing intellectually as men, I think we need to ask ourselves, even as the church, like, how are we helping men do that? Right. Because I think a lot of them take this. And I think this is where this uh, argument comes up often that we run across as men of iron is like, well, is this mentorship or is it discipleship? Because if it's not discipleship, we're not really interested in it. And, 
again, I do believe that there is a place for discipleship. Obviously, I believe that we need to be teaching people God's word. People need to be literally saying, this is what I'm going to teach you. This is what you're going to learn. And people need to sit and, and take that in. But I look at mentorship a little bit differently because mentorship, you kind of frame it up where this is more on the protege, right? Like this is more the protege's agenda. This is more the protege's objectives and, and how God's asking him and guide how God's guiding him to grow. And that protege is then coming with the agenda. And so it's my experience that through mentorship, men often grow more intellectually than they do through a rigid discipleship process where they don't really have a say in what they're learning or what the objectives are. And again, it's not, it's not bashing that process. It's not what I'm saying, but I am saying there's a place where a man really starts to grow and learn more intellectually when he is kind of in this with the Lord, the Lord's guiding him and speaking to him and he's sharing that with a mentor. Well, now the intellectual thing is happening at a greater level because you've got this relationship that's formed between mentor and protege. And I think that is the powerful piece of intellectual growth is it requires other people in our life oftentimes for us to truly experience the way that I think God's designed it to be. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really interesting about the way that you kind of you know, separated mentorship from discipleship, I think that's freeing in a lot of ways, because if you look at discipleship, we're not trying to step on the church's toes. We're saying, church, do what you do. You, you, you own that space, do it to the glory of God, disciple your men, disciple the, the women and the families and the kids, do all of that. But yet there's, there's also in most churches, I would say, not all, but most churches, there's not that feedback loop. It, most of the time, discipleship comes down to it's a transfer of information without, okay, seeing, and I'm not talking about a catechism here, but, it, uh, you know, some sort of mechanistic way of like, okay, you, you ask me a question, and then I give you the answer. Oh, good. That's done. Now go to the question two. That has some value too. But with discipleship, most of the time, it's just you giving me information, and then I either just give you the answer to that, and then we move on. But mentorship is different. Mentorship is, hey, let's walk through these truths together. And discipleship a lot of times happens in large groups. And, and men, they just, in my experience, men just don't respond well in very large groups. I mean, you may have a couple extroverts here and there. I think men do need to be in small groups, but I also think they need to be in mentor uh, mentorships and mentorships, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two or those kinds of things, but a smaller group because it's going to be more authentic and you're going to be able to exchange those ideas that we're talking about more freely without judgment or, uh, you know, just kind of that fear of being found out like, oh my goodness, I don't know. I don't know what I think I should know. And if I, if I give this answer, they're going to, they're going to realize, oh man, I, that I'm not as far along as, as I should be. But here's, here's the newsflash none of us are where we should be. Right. And, and the grace of God meets us in that, which is an amazing, amazing thing. So I'm going to break down a stereotype, if I could real quick. A stereotype is this, that intellectual growth, it means that you're going to turn into an intellectual, that it, mean, that it means you're going to have like, you know, some, some twill sweater and smoke cigars and sip bourbon. And, you know, you're going to have a library and you're going to have all of these. We're not, we're not trying to make you an intellectual. We're not trying to make you uh, go into what I think a lot of times what we think of intellectual is just something that just rests in your head. It's just like this knowledge-based thing. Like that's not our goal. 
I mean, even in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians. It's, it's nuanced. What I'm about to say is nuanced because the context had to do with uh, some things that they thought were freedoms in the church would actually went against them. But yet he gets to this, inter, this universal truth in 1 Corinthians 8, 1. This is from the NLT. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Or another way that I think the NIV says that, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That knowledge, we're not just trying to gain some level of knowledge. We want to apply these truths. The truths, whether we hear from a mentor or what we hear from a, this podcast or we hear from reading or a YouTube video or some other avenue of, uh, of how we get our information. We, we need to apply these truths because just as, as Theodore Roosevelt said, and I love this quote, he says, to educate a person in the mind, but not in morals, is to educate and menace to society. I, I love me some Teddy Roosevelt, okay? He's like one of my heroes, but he's on to something here, to educate a person in the mind. In, in other words, if we're just going to simply be intellectual, but not really do anything with it, where it actually shapes us morally, ethically, and spiritually, then really, as men of God, what are we doing? And, and if we take this to the, to the ends that he takes it, we become a menace to society. And I, I just want to kind of paint a picture. I think we have a lot of menaces to society right now in our world. So what we're after is, and really piggybacking on something that you said last week in the podcast, Garrett, you, you were talking about transformation. And I just want to, I'm going to add a little math here. I wasn't good at math, okay? But I, wanna, I just want to break down some word math and hopefully make this really clear for the listener. Information plus right application equals transformation. We're after transformation. We're not, just, uh, we're not just into information. The world is inundated with information. We want information plus right application that equals life transformation. That's what we're about. We don't want to tickle your ears at Men of Iron. You, the listener, we want you to apply these truths. We want you to get, get into the curriculum. We want you to not purchase these things because it's going to pad us as an organization. We know that it will impact your life and the lives of the men that you are around if you simply not just read but apply these principles. So I just had to kind of put that out there. This is something that's near and dear to my heart, and I know it's near and dear to yours. Would you add anything to that, Garrett? Yeah, I think when you're when you're talking about information plus right application, right? Like, okay, we know that there's more information than we've ever had available to us, but let's look at this right application. How do we actually experience right application? Well, it's through accountability. Like, we every time if we're given the option as men, we are more than likely, unless we are highly disciplined individuals, we are more than likely going to take the path to least resistance, right? And so, um you're talking about right application comes with looking across the table at another man and saying, Hey, I feel like God is asking me to do this. Then again, you got to get beyond what do I want to accomplish and get yourself in a posture and posturing yourself to where the Holy Spirit's actually guiding you in this process by saying, Hey, how do I want to grow intellectually? Oh, I want to do this. This is how the Lord's guiding me. Okay. Now, if there's somebody on the other end of that table that's saying, well, what are you going to do about that be between now and the next time that we meet? when I clearly state what that's going to be, that, that's right application. Because now if I don't do it, I have given in a mentorship setting, I have given that man, that mentor across the table from me full right 
to, you know, keep me accountable to the process or to the objective or to the to do whatever it might be. That's where right application comes in. So you're right. As the Lord reveals to us the information that's out there and we start to put the right application through there, through our discipline, through accountability, right? We will be transformed. God will honor that. God will change our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies, whatever it might be. That's where transformation starts to take place. And we know that so much of this is rooted in a faith foundation on Jesus Christ. We know that. But there is an element of accountability that's needed here. And I just, I'm tired, Chad. I really am. I'm tired of soft men in the church not being willing, number one, or they don't even see a need for it to be held accountable to certain things. It's a dangerous place to live as a man. I believe that a godly man should lead with his head and his heart. And if you just leave with your heart, then it's going to be insufficient. If you just leave with lead with your head, I think it's going to be insufficient. God has made us in such a way to where we can think through things intellectually, and then we apply them practically. And this is really what Jesus is, is talking about when he said, or rather what it's said about Jesus in growing in wisdom. Wisdom is, is applied knowledge, is it not? It's learned knowledge. It's, hey, okay, now this is, what, this is what I've learned, and this is what I'm going to do with what I learned. And there is an accountability piece. There is a discipline piece. There is a, I just don't feel it today piece. And yet you get up and do it because you know by doing it, you're going to become more like Christ, and you're going to become a man that, that is changed, and that a changed man will ultimately change his family, change his marriage, have the ability to change his marriage, change his church, change the culture that he, he is in the middle of. So today, and I just mentioned culture, as now we're winding down the podcast, I just want to throw this out there. Today, our culture is so polarized. I mentioned this earlier. I think that it is. I think it's so much black and white thinking. So, but how do you encourage men to embrace conversations when you know that there will be a difference of opinion? Like you just uh, know it. Yeah. Um, man, this is so hard. Cause I'm kind of an, I don't know. I just take, I don't have any patience for this. Like okay. I really don't. <laughs> and so, um, and when I say no patience, I mean, I don't have patience for whether you're conservative, whether you're liberal, whether you're Republican, whether you're Democrat, whether you're <laughs> Protestant, whether you're, I don't know, whatever it might be. Right. Uh, to me, it's just like, listen, we're all human beings. We're all made in God's image, right? He loves every single one of us, regardless of whether we're uh, being obedient um, and confessing our sin or whether we're just not doing any of that. We don't even know him, right? Or, or the bottom line is like, we, God loves us. And so why are we wasting our time and our energies in getting so polarized on all this stuff that we can't even disagree anymore. It's absolutely ridiculous. I can't even Chad, I get, I get so, I, I can't even watch the news right now. Like I literally can't even watch the news and I'm like, how can we have Fox news and CNN and you've got two groups of people <laughs> doing this stuff. I'm trying to learn more about what's going on in our current events and both of them have a completely different message, right? Mm. So the, the point of the matter is how do we how do we handle this and how do we approach this is just have some freaking thick skin. Like don't don't be so sensitive. Don't be a baby. Don't don't 
go and whine and complain. Don't use social media. Um, I would just say, look at the guy that's across the table from you, embrace the conversation that you're having, understand that like actually having a face-to-face conversation is actually the way that God designed us to be in relationship with others, in community with others. Just because we don't agree doesn't mean that we can't pick each other's you know, uh, pick each other's up or their, our tab and, you know, pay for somebody's beer, pay for somebody's meal and, and go in our separate ways. Like it's, it, that's just all I can say. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, to, to answer your question, I'm going being long-winded here, Chad, but like the bottom line is I don't think difference of opinion should stop us. Uh, and it, and it is something that burdens me, but I don't think it should be something that stops us from being in relationship with others because it takes away our opportunity to grow intellectually, to learn something different about this person or about this culture uh, or about this side of the aisle, right? Like it's an opportunity for me to try to get new perspective and to grow intellectually. I, I just, I think we need more people. I don't think, I know, I know we need more people doing that. I think if Jesus were literally here on the earth physically, we would see that that's how he operated. He met people where they were at, people that didn't even see eye to eye with him but he heard them out and he loved them. And yeah, there were times he was no nonsense, right? We do, we do see that there were times he was black and white, but when it comes to intellectual growth, I think we need to be uh, willing to kind of have our perspective kind of shook up a little bit, because uh, if we're just seeing the, seeing things and learning things through our own lens, man, we're getting it all wrong. Mm. Wow. That's challenging. The uh, I think that, in in trying to answer this question and to make it, I, I'm going to say something. It's going to sound so simple, but and, and I realize that you may say, oh, "Okay, you know," or whoever may listen, just say, "Okay, that's just too simple to even believe that it could happen." I would just give pretty base level advice. In this, and one of it would be be a sponge. Be a sponge. You can learn something from anyone. Anyone. I mean, there are times and seasons where we shut. We need to shut the news off. Clearly. No, there's no question about that, but be a sponge. Don't assume you know everything. Go into every situation with thinking, hmm, I'm pretty firm in my beliefs, but I can learn something from this individual. And, and with that, I would, I would add this. Have a spine, but listen. In other words, stand up for what you believe, but listen to other beliefs. It, just by listening, it doesn't mean that you agree. It just means you're listening. It means that you have the ability as a man to, to sift through and respect the person who's in front of you, even if you disagree, even if they're on the other side of the aisle, they see the world in a completely different way, but yet you stand up firm in the faith, and yet you listen, and you affirm that person even if you're not going to be affirming their ideals. So that, that's a couple of things I would add there. To wind down the show for today, Garrett, I'd like to just give some tips for intellectual growth. We have really drilled down on some amazing things, and I think guys would be encouraged to do this. I want to make some things really practical as well and just kind of fly through a couple of these. So some tips for intellectual growth. First one is start where you are. Start where you are. If, if you're not reading a book, there's no shame in grabbing a book that is super easy to read. Don't grab some 600-page biography uh, just, you know, just start where you are, start simple. There's nothing wrong with that, but yet commit to that process. Another one is be curious when it comes to, to learning, just be curious. 
be curious. What can I learn from you? What can I learn from somebody else? What can I learn from my neighbor? What can I learn from my coworker? What can I learn from that guy at the gym who, you know, he's, he doesn't appear to be like me. What can I, what can I learn? Be curious, be curious everywhere. Um, and don't be afraid of being wrong. Don't be afraid of being wrong. Trust me. I'm like, I'm like the captain of the wrong team. Like I just, I'm wrong all the time. I'm learning and, and I have to be able to laugh at myself and say, I got that one wrong. I'm pretty sure guys, you're the same way. Yeah, Chad, I think there's, there's a really important, you know, lesson there when it talks about don't be wrong, but also like, don't, I I think guys just get paralyzed when it comes to decision-making sometimes. And, and sometimes we have to make a decision and actually get it wrong in order to learn through that process. And so, you know, I I think about that story that they, they I've heard before, which is what the battle of Gettysburg, right. They had, I think there was somewhere between like 24 and 34,000 rifles that were picked up from, from the dead or dying. And, you, you look at what, when they were picked up, um, there was something crazy, like anywhere between 70 and 85% of them were still loaded because they were obviously the Mm. chaos and trauma of war just overtook them. And some of them, actually, many of them were loaded more than once. And so you look at this lesson of like kind of going through life. This is something we always say through our equilibrium retreats is, you know, avoid that mentality of aim, 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 aim. That's where so many guys they're not learning that process rather go through that ready aim fire, like take your shot. If you miss it, no big deal, but at least you're going to learn from that mistake. So just something I felt kind of compelled to share as you said that. Oh, that's great. That's great. I have uh, just a couple more that I'm going to share. Uh, start 5% above your current reading level, 5%. So again, start where you are, but also just start 5% above your current reading level. And that's okay. There's nothing in the world that is wrong with that. No matter where you are, 5% above. Um, you can go onto the Men of Iron Instagram page and myself or Steve, we will give feedback from this. If there, you have extra questions about this, DM us, let us know. You know, send us an email, go to the website, menofiron.org and our email addresses are on there. We would love to help you to maybe even give you reading suggestions or certain things maybe that we haven't talked about on this podcast that would help you to go forward or maybe even some of the tools that we have at Men of Iron to be able to help you to equip you and then maybe somebody you could mentor or a mentee or a small group to kind of help you to move forward. Another one, I mentioned this earlier, don't read without a pen in your hand. Don't read without a pen in your hand. And and here's another one. This is going to be the last one. Do the same with what you read in here. Work hard to understand it. Work hard to understand it. Do the same thing with what you read and you hear. Work hard to understand it. And look into whatever is in doubt. Well, we we're finishing up the podcast for today. And I just want to say thanks for coming on today, Garrett. Thanks for having me, man. This is a good conversation. I know it's, you know, not the the sexiest of topics to talk through as men, but it's, it's definitely necessary. I totally agree. Well, if this podcast or previous Men of Iron podcast has meant something to you, we would love it if you would go on and give us a rating and review. Go on to iTunes and please do that. That would help us out a lot. And also to be able to get this content out to other men like you. Also feel free to share Uh, everything that you see through Men of Iron, whether it's on Facebook or also on Instagram. We would love to get this message out to the rest of the men. You can give us a follow at Men of Iron on Instagram as well. And until next week, I hope that you have learned a lot and apply what you learn. 
This Men of Iron podcast is brought to you by Men of Iron. If you're interested in getting involved in or supporting the vision of changing a culture one man at a time, or you simply want to know more about our Strong 27 mentorship experience, equilibrium retreats, Anchored Man video series, or Men of Iron Plus, go to menofiron.org.